is a Woodside Church podcast. Good morning, everyone. So, um, happy Easter to everyone. And let me also extend my welcome to anyone who is visiting and new to Woodside this morning. And we have William and Jenny, you know, from Switzerland. They're with us for a long, long time, and now they're visiting. And then, and then we have Blaine I met this morning, so welcome Blaine. And also welcome to Josh and Priya, son and daughter-in-law. <laughs> and to anyone else who's here for the first time, a very warm welcome. Um, so yesterday we were at um, uh, Birmingham. Um, just celebrating William and Jenny's uh, son's engagement with Andy, Andy and Heather Martin's daughter, Rachel. And um, so Andy said, Ensign, don't confuse Easter with Christmas. And uh, actually, the message of both is the same, actually. The message is God has come to rescue all of us. Hallelujah. <clears throat> okay. So millions of people, I mean, I've given this title, Resurrection, the Story of Easter. It had something like, um, uh, what is it, hushed, so speechless guards or something like that. I didn't want speechless here because I want to shout it out, you know, because it's a joyful occasion. We can't keep quiet. And um, so coming to Easter, millions of people all over the world celebrate Easter. Most are not aware of the meaning of Easter. For them, it's an, another opportunity to have a good time. For some like me and my parents when I was young, Good Friday was a very somber occasion. White clothes, fasting, prolonged service in church, look unhappy. And then on Easter's day, a big meal and lots of gifts. And this became like a religious expression. This is how Christians do things, that is, that is the expression. And um, then there is a build-up to Easter, various activities like Palm Sunday, um, uh, Lent, Passover, egg painting, egg rolling, etc. Easter, like Christmas, has become very popular, and many people make it an occasion to celebrate and have a good time. For most businesses, this is another opportunity to make money. And we live amongst a culture where many of these activities are given great importance. And it would be useful to ask ourselves, is this is the Easter story just a myth, or is it something true and significant? If it is true, why was it necessary? How did it come about? And what is its significance? So just let us read the story from the book of Matthew, chapter 27. This is how it goes. The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception would be worse than the first. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law wanted to make sure that Jesus stayed in the tomb. Okay? And so Pilate said, take a guard, go make the tomb as secure as you know how. 
So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. The women, so the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. And greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. So that is a portion that I'm going to preach from this morning. So today in my preach, I want to bring out four things. Number one, why was Easter necessary? Did God die on the cross, actually? We look at the resurrected body, and then we look at what to do with the Easter message. So why was Easter necessary? Now, I've got my new toy here, okay? And I'm, uh, I'm going to be like, uh, I mean, once Lois Moore told me, Ensign, listening to your preach is like sitting in a medical school lecture, okay? <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, that is how I understand things, you know? I need to understand the pathophysiology of diseases. And so this is the pathophysiology of the gospel, guys, okay? And um, so where's the picture? So the God of the Bible, uh, the God of the Bible has revealed himself to us as a community of three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And, um, you know, um, and, and this thing called love, or divine love, or agape love, is something that originated in God himself. Because if God was just one person, there could be no love. Because in order to love, you have to have at least a minimum of two people, okay? Because love is something that is given and received, okay? So in this fellowship of God, in this community of God, we see the perfect expression of love, we see the perfect expression of honoring one another, of respecting one another, and of working together, okay? So out of this divine love, God decides to create man in his image, Adam and Eve, okay? And uh, so there you are, Adam and Eve there. And uh, so everything else in all of creation was created for Adam and Eve. Hallelujah. Now, what we need to understand is that in this fellowship or community, members exist on the basis of love and of trust and of free will, of choice. Okay? And that is very, very important. That we need to understand. We need to bear that in mind. Choice, free will is very, very important. Now, we, need, we know that from the book of Genesis, later Satan came and deceived Adam and Eve, so much so that they believed in Satan, and as a consequence, um, lost their trust in God. And when they lost their trust in God, and they disobeyed God, a new problem called sin entered their life, 
and as a consequence, they lost their place in the fellowship of God. And so they are now separate, you know, from God, okay? And um, as children of Adam and Eve, everyone born in this world becomes corrupted, corrupted by sin the moment we are conceived either in the womb or in the test tube. Doesn't matter, where we are conceived, we become corrupted, okay? And so that, the next slide will show the whole of mankind is, is in that sort of category. So this condition is called spiritual death, okay? Death means separation from God and life means fellowship with God. So we are born in a state of spiritual death or spiritual separation from God. Now the justice of God says that the soul who sins shall die, or for the wages of sin is death. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sins. A perfect, sinless sacrifice had to be offered. We humans are not, a, not able to pay this price because each one of us, we are corrupted by this disease called sin. Now we need to understand that just as God is perfect in his justice, he is also perfect in love. The word of God tells us that because of his intense love for mankind, he worked out a way to rescue us and bring us back into fellowship with him. Now I've heard people say, if God is God, the most powerful person in this universe, and he can do anything he wants, and if our sins needed to be forgiven, why couldn't he forgive us just like that? Because he's God, he can do anything he wants. What was the need for all this suffering and crucifixion and shedding of blood and all these things? You see, we need to understand that because God is perfect in his justice, he cannot break his law or standard. The law or standard that applies to us also applies to him. There is no one rule for him and one rule for us. Only a dictator or an unfair ruler would do things differently. I'm not sure if you ever thought about God this way. That is why he says, I am the same yesterday and today and forever. When people ask us Christians to modernize our faith, say we have to change with the times, we need to bear this in mind that our God says, I am the same yesterday and today and forever. We have to stand on the solid ground of God's word because that is his standard. And when we accept him as a Lord of our life, we are also aligning ourselves with his standard. Now let's look at God's rescue mission, and we heard this from Stuart last week. God the Son, Jesus, took human form, lived a sinless life, and then offered himself upon the cross voluntarily. When he was on the cross, he took up all the sins of mankind, and Stuart said this, he who knew no sin became sin for us. Before he gave up his spirit, he said, it is finished. The Greek word used here is tetlestai, which means paid in full. The penalty for our sins has been paid in full by Jesus on the cross. He was then buried. The Jewish leaders together with the Roman guards, just as we heard, go and make the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting a guard. They wanted to ensure that Jesus stays in the tomb forever. But on the third day, hallelujah, on the third day, something amazing happens. 
the stone that was covering the entry to the tomb is rolled away. And Jesus comes back to life. He is risen from the dead. You see, in church, paying the penalty for sins so as to enable mankind to return back to God, back into fellowship, into the fellowship of God, was God's demand. It was God's demand that a penalty has to be paid. And the demand was met entirely by God himself. Hallelujah. Only he could have done it. Because he alone is without sin. Through the cross, a new and living way was opened for us. If you just go back to the previous slide. Through the way, through the cross, a new and living way was opened for us, for everyone in this world to come to God. Therefore, tell me, church, is God fair? Tell me. Is God fair? Yes? Do you know if God is fair, we should have died for our sins? So God is not fair. Yeah? I was tricking you, yeah? God is not fair. He goes beyond fairness. He is gracious. All right? If he's fair, think about it. If he's fair, as we all, we all want fairness in this world, yeah? If God was fair, we would all be going to hell. But he's not fair. He's gracious. The grace of God is that he does not deal with us on the basis of our merits. Because we fall way short of his standard. The prophet Isaiah speaking about this says, All our righteous acts are like filthy rags. This does not mean that we can never, you know, uh, that we should not do anything good. Okay? And so don't bother to do anything good. It means that we can never earn a righteous standing before God or be forgiven on the basis of our good works. If you ever thought that we can rack up brownie points with God, then that is wishful thinking because we can never pay the penalty for our sins. We would be cut off from the fellowship of God forever. And that place is called hell. And Jesus talked about this on a number of occasions. The only way he could have rescued us is on the basis of grace. And Apostle Paul sums this up beautifully in Ephesians, in the letter to Ephesians chapter 2. He says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Hallelujah. So Easter, my friends, was necessary because that was the only way for God to make a way for everyone in this world to come back into fellowship with him. Now the second question is, you know, many people when they're having all these discussions and everything, you know, they throw up all these arguments. They say, if Jesus is God, okay, and he died on the cross, did God die? So did God die? Okay. And I think somebody wrote a poem that God is dead or something like that a long time ago. Okay. So did God die? Now this is a misunderstanding, okay? Now we need to understand that God is spirit. And he had taken up human form in order to represent all of mankind. When Jesus died on the cross, it is the flesh that died, okay? Not his spirit. He suffered in the flesh and paid the penalty for our sins in his 
flesh. To one of the criminals who was hanging on the cross beside him, he said, today you will be with me in paradise. Okay? And so we need to ask ourselves, why did he go to paradise? In Ephesians chapter 4 it says, this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? Now, Jesus talked about this in the story of the uh, Lazarus and the rich man. Okay, do you know this? Now he says in Hades, where the place where souls go after death, has two parts. One is called paradise or it's called Abraham's bosom. Okay, Jews called it Abraham's bosom. It's a place of comfort. And the second place is called Gehenna or the place of torment. Now paradise is a place where all the believers you know, go to after, they, after their death. And Gehenna, where unbelievers go. And both were separated by a great chasm. Nobody from here can cross over to here, and nobody from here can cross over to this place. And the, all the Old Testament believers were looking forward. Can we get the next one? So all the Old Testament believers who died in faith were looking forward to the arrival of the Messiah and his atoning work, his sacrificial death on the cross. And all, all of us, the New Testament believers, are looking backwards to the cross. We are looking backwards to what Jesus done for us. And uh, when Jesus died, he descended into paradise and proclaimed freedom to those who died in faith. He was telling them, your wait has been worthwhile. Look, I have won the victory for you. This was the fulfillment of their faith. Now from the letters of Peter and Jude, we also know that Jesus went into Hades, the Gehenna part, and preached to the spirits in prison. The understanding is that Jesus proclaimed his victory over the devil and his fallen angels, and also proclaimed his victory over the grave. Now, what does that mean for us? Jesus, when he you know, was speaking you know, in John 8, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Just as God is a spiritual being, we are also spiritual beings, okay? Of all the living beings, we alone, human beings, are spiritual beings, not animals, okay? And, uh, you know, our soul and spirit, which is the actual us, the soul and spirit is within this body, okay? The actual us is the soul and spirit. When we who believe in the Lord Jesus physically die, we will shed this flesh and our soul and spirit will be in the presence of God. What happened with Jesus is what will happen with us because he is the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. So just as Jesus was alive, you know, his body died, he went to paradise, he was alive in the spirit, we too will be alive. We who put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> now, let us look at the resurrected body. When Jesus rose again on Easter Sunday, he had a physical body, okay? He could be seen, he could be touched, he could communicate, he could eat and drink, and he could go through walls, okay? This is what we call a glorified body. Similarly, my friends, at the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, we believers, or those believers who have died and those who are alive will be gloriously caught up in the Lord. We will be transformed 
and we all will receive new glorified bodies. And with this glorified body, we can see him face to face. Currently, we cannot because we live in corrupted bodies. So when we have this glorified new body, we'll be able to see him face to face. We'll be able to communicate with him. We'll be able to eat and drink with him. And Jesus said, I will eat of this, you know, drink of this fruit of the wine and eat the bread with you in the coming kingdom. And there will be, hallelujah, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain or sickness or curse. Hallelujah. Are you still alive? Still awake? I'll tell you a story. I was preparing my preach on my preach on Friday and I was sitting in my bedroom looking out into the garden and I found my wife um, Sunu dragging you know one of these we have this vibration plate exercise machine do you know that you stand on it and you you know it's your mother Lena who you know uh, sorry um, uh, I forgot <laughs> Linda Linda who, who prompted us to get this machine and uh, I saw her dragging on the ground, you know, and sooner when she sets her mind to something, you know, she will do it. And I found her dragging this machine along, and I just laughed to myself, you know. And it's a heavy machine, and you don't drag it, you lift it and take it, you know. And I was just suddenly thinking about my hair. After 31 years of living with this woman, <laughs> it's a joke, okay? But she's the most wonderful person. Don't tell her this, okay? <laughs> and so are many of you here. You all are wonderful you know, women and be a blessing to your, to your families, okay? It's just a joke to bring you, you know, if, you, if you're falling asleep. <laughs> Finally, the next point, what do we do with the Easter message, okay? What was the purpose of Easter? Was it to make God famous or to show what a great sacrifice he has done and for him to derive some sort of benefit out of it? Okay, what was it? It was to save mankind, wasn't it? And so Jesus, after resurrection, gives his message to his disciples, which includes all of us. And he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Did he say form committees and meetings or build big monuments to promote his glory? No. The mission he gave to each one of us is to share the good news of God. God has paid the penalty for the sins of all mankind. Come and meet him. Come and feel his love. Come and experience his grace. Come and become his sons and daughters. Come and enter freely into his kingdom. God is asking us to take this message of reconciliation to others. Come and be reconciled to God. Our mission is to remind everyone that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. If he does not condemn, neither should we. We are to remind everyone that salvation is a gift of God. We don't need to try and earn it. And in fact, we cannot try and earn it. It can only be had for free. In God's will, choice or free will, as I said before, is very important. And every person who comes into the kingdom of God has to exercise their free will or choice. That is the only way anyone can be a part of the kingdom. We cannot pressurize anyone into it. And we need to give everyone that choice. When anyone comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, I believe that you are God, and I believe you pay the penalty for my sins on the cross, and as I receive you as the Lord of my life, something amazing happens. Okay? Can we go to the next one, please? I call it the great exchange. Jesus takes away our sin, and he gives us his righteousness. Remember, Jesus said, you know, I am the gate for the sheep. Okay? Find the gate. Okay? Find the narrow path. You know? In fact, Jesus says, I am the only gate for the sheep. The only way you can come back into the fellowship of God is by is through Jesus. Because he is the only one who has paid the penalty for your sins and my sins and the sins of all mankind. Okay? Hallelujah. I did this, church, when I was 20 years of age, when I was in medical school. I gave my life to him. I gave up everything. I laid everything on the table and I said, God, I come to you as I am. And that was the greatest, wonderful moment in my life. Greatest, wonderful moment in my life. And that has taken me, you know, till this far. And the joy of being found in God is renewed in me every day. And I know that that is the experience of many of you sitting here. Jesus takes away our sins and gives us his righteousness, and we become his son or daughter and a citizen of heaven. God has done everything, and he is waiting to receive anyone who would come to him as they are and meet Jesus and exercise their free will. That brings us nicely to the communion table. And maybe the band can come up here. So if there is anyone here who is not a part of the kingdom of God, I invite you, Jesus invites you, God the Father invites you, the Holy Spirit of God invites you, come as you are. You don't need to become perfect. You don't need to do anything. Just come and receive the free gift of salvation, which God has earned for you. God has earned for you. You have been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.